0: Welcome to C3 Church Tubra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. I am, Lord, will follow you all of my days. No back, I've left behind my A lovely, lovely time at Presence. I just have such a sense of the Spirit of God this morning speaking to you. Um, Garth Ball was supposed to preach this morning and he got sick and I kind of was not glad that he was sick. (laughs) But um, I kind of all, you know, all this week I've had this stirring in my spirit as as I sat in Presence Conference and watched thousands of people there you know, loving God and God loving them. And there was such a cry in my heart that, God, there's so much more. Because I have a prophetic gift, so as I look around and I look at the people and I see they're worshiping God, but they're just so discouraged and so tired. And uh, I think there's a a feeling in the body of Christ that there's a real weakness, a spiritual dryness, a spiritual weakness discouragement and tiredness and almost the body of Christ is feeling a little defeated and I was sitting in the conference and I was just like so burdened by it that I actually had to take one of the sessions off in the morning and just stay in my hotel room and just cry out to God God you know what is happening what is happening what is going on and the Lord said to me the father of lies is at it again The father of lies is trying to speak to my church. He's trying to speak to my people. He's trying to tell my people that they are weak and that they're never going to be able to accomplish this thing. He's trying to divide and he's trying to separate. He's trying to disempower, disengage and disappoint people from their positions and from their callings in God. And he said to me, he's especially attacking those 40 and over. He's really going for those that are more mature and telling that that is finished for them, that there's a young generation rising up and they just most will just sit down and forget about what God said to them, the prophecies over their lives that have not been fulfilled yet, that they're just sitting back and just going, well, they're never going to come to pass. And I want to tell you, I've been listening to those lies myself and trying to push them off. And they've been coming at me, even in my mind, and I've been pushing them away. And I've been crying out to God, surely God, Surely, And I know that a lot of what the Lord has said to generations of people will be fulfilled generationally because that's how it works. You know, we know that many of the patriarchs of the faith, they said that they went and they they left the earth. They never saw, they never saw, accomplished what they had believed for, what they had faith for, although it was accounted to them as righteousness, their faith. Because it was to be accomplished through the blood, the shed blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I want to say this to you. That we have something that Moses didn't have as a generation and generations of people. We have something that David didn't have as a generation of people. We have something that Joseph didn't have. We have something that is so profound We have it in our palm of our hands, and yet we sit dormant with it, and that is called the blood of Jesus Christ, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. It is finished, he said. And he gave us a work to do. When he died on the cross, when that tomb was emptied at Easter, and he rose from the dead, he gave us an assignment to do. Amen. Now, I want to look at that assignment today. I want to look at it carefully today. And what I want to do is I want to put to death every lie of the enemy. Do you know a lie why it's so effective? Because it's called deception. You actually don't realize you're living in it until the truth comes. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Amen? Jesus is the spirit of truth and the Holy Spirit comes right now to bring truth into this place and demolish every lie of the enemy so that the church will arise in this hour in the power and the glory that it should be in and do all that God has called us to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Chris Pringle brought this incredible message on one of the days there. And, you know, in all her um, Chris Pringle-ness, Somehow she gets it across, and it's and profoundly gets it across in all her Chris Pringleness. And sometimes you just sit there going, "What are you talking about?" And then a revelation just goes boom. It's like it's almost like she disarms you with her comedy, and with her, um, you know, um, blonde blondeness and uh, and then she just hits you. And in this one message, she spoke so beautifully, and gee, it hit my spirit, you know, it was after I prayed, and it was like God answering my prayer, and she said that there's a scent of water, there's a scent of water, she was talking about the seeds that are in the earth, that the Lord has planted in the earth, that are waiting to germinate when the rains are poured out, and Phil Pringle had prophesied that when his, when Warragamba Dam was overflowing again, there would be a great move of God that would hit the earth. And in March this year, they said it could never happen. They prophesied it would never happen. The, the media had said, they had specialists say, it will never happen. We will never have rains enough that Warragamba Dam will again be filled, let alone overflow. And in 2008, Pastor Phil Pringle prophesied, Warragamba Dam will overflow. And when it overflows, that'll be the sign that a great move of God is going to hit the earth. Well, in March this year, Warragamba Dam overflowed. Overflowed. And there's the scent of water, Chris Pringle said. There's the scent of water coming upon the earth. The Lord spoke to me two weeks ago. He said it'll be the former rains and the latter rains together. The former rains being the revivals of the past, Every revival that has been upon the earth since Jesus Christ, starting with the book of Acts, where 3,000 were saved in the upper room, going right through all the moves of God that have happened upon the earth are are the former rains. But we have not yet seen the latter rain poured out upon the earth, and the latter rain is for the last rain. It is the last rain that we poured out before the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the lord spoke to me clearly about that and he said this that the latter rain will be a multi-generational move of god the latter rain will not be one generation or another generation it won't be a bunch of young people who get something like in the jesus movement and a whole bunch of young people got saved and got set on fire and went out and it, you know many of those guys are still in ministry today but it died out because there was no maturity and there was no wisdom to carry it through to last for the next generation to come. Amen. And God wants to do something that's multifaceted and multigenerational in Jesus' name. Amen. So all the little children, they're sitting so quietly. You can come sit on the carpet if you want, or you can stay with mom and dad if you want. Whatever, whatever suits you. Amen. I know there's children that are sick this morning and we just, it's okay, isn't it? It's okay for parents to bring their children to church if they're crying, at least they're in the house of God. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, great. Because what I want to do is I want i want you kids to know this. Look at Pastor Julie. I'm going to come down here. Whoa. Look at me. I want you to know that you are so special to God. In God's house. In Jesus' name. Amen. You are so special to God. There there are things that God wants to do in your lives. There are things that he wants to show you. And I never want our children to feel like they're being put into a back room to be babysat. This is mine and Phil's heart and the heart of our team. That these children feel like they're being put in a back room to be babysat so we can do church. But these children... Have something not for the future, but for now. For now. When we were in revival, we we pioneered our church in a move of God, and we were thrust into into uh, pioneering this church in the midst of a move of God. And we were in a massive revival, and God was touching so many people and touching us. And we used to start church at nine thirty in the morning. At three o'clock in the afternoon, we'd have to throw people out. Not because we were tired and we would not have lunch break, dinner break. No one was complaining. No one wanted to go home. People were being saved, delivered. People would run in off the street and fall on the altar crying, getting saved, delivered. Demons coming out of people right in front of everybody. We didn't have time to take them to back rooms and, and go through three years of counseling. It was like they'd run in, they'd be screaming. We'd come out, devil. They'd get set free. They'd sit there hot, totally sane. That's the way Jesus did it anyway. But in those days, we would send our kids to kids' church and Tim and Louise were running kids' church then who are now running Camp Works and they would tell you this. We would send our kids to kids' church in a, in a bus and we had our own bus and we'd go around and pick up all the neighbourhood kids and they'd go off to kids' church. And many times they would bring the kids back to kids' church carrying them into the service because they were so under the power of the Holy Spirit they were crying, they were praying in tongues, they were crying out to lay hands on the sick, they were having visions of laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. My daughter, Julie, that was leading worship this morning, she was 10 years old at the time, and she used to intercede and intercede, and she would say, I see people getting pulled out of hell, mummy, I see people getting pulled out, and she would give me phone numbers, names, Phone numbers and names of children that were being abused by their parents said, Go and save them, Mum. What do you do with that? I don't know. I still don't know what you do with that. The children were laying hands on the sick and we were seeing them recover. See? That was a former reign. We saw moves of God where God touched youth and where God touched different generations of people, but they seemed to be touching this one, touching that one, touching that one not together. And more than anything else, I want you to know today that we are about to enter into one of the greatest moves of God that the world has ever seen. Why do you think the enemy is trying to discourage us? Why do you think he's trying to get people? Why do you think that he's pouring sickness and different things and and financial restraint upon the church? Because he wants us to give up. But how many of you know this? This? that when it looks the bleakest that when it looks the darkest that when it looks the most hopeless in the kingdom of God is the time of greatest power because to me when Jesus was hanging on that cross and everyone had left him and everyone had forsaken him and his disciples had run away in fear and he's hanging on the cross alone, a man alone carrying the sin of the world and even his own father turned his face away from him Father, why have you forsaken me? Everyone had forsaken him. Everything went dark. Everyone started to scatter. There was a great earthquake. It looked the bleakest that it had ever looked. And yet it was the moment of greatest power. I want to tell you this, that in your weakness, God is at his strongest. Amen. Yeah, you can actually really clap a lot for that because that's because that's a revelation. You can chew on for a few weeks. It needs another clap, I tell you right now. <laughs> so I have good news for you this morning. In Exodus 3:15, it says this. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. In the Message Bible, it says this, God continue with Moses, this is what you ought to say to the Israelites, God, the God of the, your fathers, the God of Abraham. The God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This has always been my name, and this is how I will always be known. How will God be known on the earth today in the greatest display of his glory that we have ever seen? He will be known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He will be known as the God of the grandfathers, the grandmothers, the great grandmothers. He will be known as the God of the mothers and the fathers. He'll be known as the God of the young adults. He'll be known as the God of the youth. He'll be known as the God of the children. He'll be known as the God of the toddlers. He'll be known as the God of the babies because every one of us that has the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ inside of us, will display the glory of the Lord in these days. Every one of us. Right down to newborn babies. People will look at a newborn baby and say, what is it about that baby? Why does that baby glow? Why is that baby so good? Why has that baby got so much peace? And the mother will say, it's because... This child belongs to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen. God's ultimate goal for mankind before the fall is that we would live, breathe, move, and have our being and do all that we're called to do as generational people, as a family. He is called father, God, for a reason. Because he is the father of a family. Amen? And we are all his children. You know, whether we are a newborn baby or whether we are nearly about to meet him, we are his children. Amen? And his ultimate goal, that the generations would work together for the common good. But we know, we know in society that that has not worked. Because of the fall of man, what are we seeing? We're seeing the breakdown of community. We're seeing the breakdown of family. We see grandparents disconnected from grandchildren. You know, great-grandparents that never get to see the kids. And then we see grandparents. And then we see divorce and couples not even wanting to get married and putting it off until they're, like, in their 40s to have children. Just... You know, all this whole thing of reproducing and family and and, and being together—it's just so 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 damaged. And then we then what happens? We see like so many single mums and dads doing their best, doing their absolute best, but not not the best that God would have, because they're disconnected from their partners. And their kids are not being raised by two parents—a male and a female parent—and and it's just all out of whack. And then we have young adults. Young adults that are yearning to be mentored. I see a cry in the heart of young adults, um, especially young men. And Phil Cairns, you know, I know that there's, there's times where the Lord has spoken to you. And again, I believe God is speaking to you that you are a mentor of young men. And, and, I, and so you've raised your own sons to be men, like they're good men and they're strong men. And you have that same gift to give to other men and young adult men, young adult men, not particularly youth, but young adult men who have never had that input of a father. And I just really think that there's a connection between you and this men's ministry and a, a branch of that somehow where you're going to speak into the lives of of young men. Yeah, it's so powerful. It's really powerful. And I'm so excited, Cam, about the men's ministry rising up because there is such a need for that generational blessing. There's so many young men in this place. Just if you're a young man under 30 right now in, in the house of God right now and you, never, you, you were not encouraged by your own father, stand up. Just stand up. Just felt like you lacked that encouragement from your own dad. Yeah. Look at that. See? I want to say this to you gentlemen that are standing right now. That in these days, God is going to pour out so much favor upon young men that have not been discipled by their own fathers. I believe God is going to give you like a hundredfold blessing. He's going to put men in your lives, and they're going to be trustworthy men. They're not going to hurt you. They're not going to speak down to you. But he is going to be your father, and he's going to, he, he is going to speak to you personally. You know, the Bible says, I will be their father. They will be my son's you've got to know today you are the son of the most high God and your father is growing up in God. But don't disconnect yourself from the men in the church because there's something that those men have of wisdom that's going to help you to grow and come out of that place of being stuck because you didn't get the affirmation of your father. Amen. Thank you. You may sit down. You know, we see, we see children that, you know, are just out of control. Really out of control. You just need to go down to Westfields and have a look what's happening to the breakdown. And we we see toddlers and babies being raised by mums without help of the community. And I think this is a really strong thing, you know, for us as church people, to get alongside young mums and help them. Do you know that the word of God says that there are natural mothers and there are those that aren't natural mothers. That's freaky. I know that's freaky, but God said it, that he would make some women that just doesn't come naturally too. They have babies and they just quite, can't quite, they're not natural. And it says that the natural mothers should teach the unnatural mothers how to be natural with their babies. And I and I just am so hungry to see this and I know that we're starting a young mums group again in the church and we're going to import into those mums with babies and really raise them up and really show them that that god will help them raise their children amen isn't that a fantastic thing i mean it's a great thing for jilly you know to have me there um, at conference i even took some sessions off and said i'll look after the kids they're both sick i'll look after the kids you go and you get something from god and it's a great but a lot of women don't have that you know i know sarah and cam they've got five kids and Sarah does an amazing job with her children. Sarah. Oh, she's there. Stand up, Sarah. Turn around. I just want you to applaud this mother of five. Because that is a champion in my eyes. That's a champion. And that is the work of the Lord, raising children in the house of God. Amen. You know, it says... God says this, that we've got to rise up, that we've got to shake off this discouragement and become the family that everyone out there is looking for. We need to display this family of God to the world so they would know that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. If all of us do our part and if all of us play our role, then we will will be the glory of God to the earth. You know, when the enemy came in to taunt and to tempt and to lie to Jesus and try and um, uh, tempt him in the wilderness, all that Jesus did was use the word of God against him. And he would say, it is written. So this morning, I want us to be able to say, it is written. I serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I have a place in the kingdom of God. I have a work to do on the earth. As long as there is breath in my lungs, I will do everything I can to do all that he has called me to do. It is never finished until it is finished. My mum used to say, it it isn't over till the fat lady sings and she hasn't sung yet. And, um, and, and, you know, there was one stage, and she's in heaven now, um, but there was one stage there where I was so discouraged, you know, a few months ago, and I was so sick and I was feeling so weak and discouraged and I was just crying out to go and say God it's not fair you know I just want I might as well just yeah maybe I'm too old I was doing all this and I just heard the echo of my mum's voice you know it ain't over till the fat lady sings and she hasn't sung yet get up and I said okay I'll get up and I will lose weight so to the fat lady will never sing (laughs) I did both in Jesus name You know that the Word of God says one can set a thousand to flight, two can set ten thousand to flight. No wonder the enemy wants to divide us. No wonder the enemy wants, you know you know this this lie going out there that, Oh, just let the youth do it. Just let the young people do it. You know, the young people yeah, young people, young people. And I know that we give a lot of time to the young people and we put a lot of input into the young people because they don't have parents and we need to be their parents. Sometimes the only time that they get told that they're doing anything good is when they come to church. Sometimes the only time that they don't feel like cutting themselves or hurting themselves is when they're in the house of God. So we've got to put input into them. But it isn't at the detriment of you guys, you know, your older generation or your people that are older than young people sitting there going, "Whoa, I guess God's finished with me. You know this is a lie, and I want to demolish it this morning. Listen to this. You know, I just wrote down here: "United we stand, divided we fall." Matthew twelve twenty-five says, "Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand." See, so can you see what the enemy is doing? He's trying to divide the house of God. He's saying, oh, no, no, he's not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's just the God of Jacob. He's just the God of the young people. He's just the God of the youth. And I, I've hit 25 now, and I'm null and void already. But what am I? at 53? Am I 53? 52, I think I am. Stop it, Julie. Give yourself another year what am I at 52? The enemy's trying to say, you know, you better move over and let the young people... (laughs) But when I look around me, when I see the greatest works that have been done, they've been done by people who are mature in the Lord, who know what they're doing, who can command the atmosphere in a place, and who can teach the next generation how to do it. Amen? And that's what we need in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said this to his disciples, and I want you to note that when he said this, he said this to all people, every disciple that would ever be a disciple of Jesus Christ, irrespective of their age, race, creed, weight, height, talent, all treasure. He said this to all people, and he said this Matthew twenty eight, eighteen to twenty says, All authority. Everyone say all authority didn't sound like you were very convinced about being an all authority. It was kind of just like an authority. Just like all authority. Let's say it. All authority, read it with me, in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He said that to everybody. What's your excuse when you walk through the supermarket like I did yesterday, coming home from presence Conference, tired, hot, sweaty, smelly, bag, you know, car full of stuff, just want to get home to my own bed, haven't slept, been looking after sick kids, staying awake all night, been crowded in a two-bedroom apartment with seven people and no air and no windows that work properly. And I just want to get home. And I said, Phil, just stop in at Coles. I just run in, get some supplies, run out. You know, I didn't want to be in there. I didn't want to look at anybody. So I'm putting my stuff through the cash register. And there's a young man at the cash register And I just I'll just be kind. Anyway, hi, how are you? Didn't really want him to answer me because I didn't want to (laughs) get into anything. And he says, oh, I'm good, thanks. Have you had a good week? I said, oh, great. And, And all of a sudden, the presence of God, the power of God comes on me. I don't feel old. I don't feel tired. I don't feel smelly. I don't feel worn out. I'm not in a hurry. I look into the eyes of this young man, and I see that God's on him. And I said, oh, I had an awesome week. I've just been down at conference at Darling Harbour. He said, oh, what conference is that? I said, C3 Church Presence Conference. Oh, I went to a C3 Church once. I said, did you? I said, which one was that? He said, "Uh, the one on the stilts. (laughs) I said, guess what? He said, well, I said, I'm the pastor of that church on the stilts. He said, no way. (laughs) I said, yeah. And I said, and you're coming to my church. And I said to the lady behind me, who gave him really cow eyes so she could get in the line when he closed it, I said, "Do your cow eyes again, because we're going to get him to church now. You should be there too." And I actually ended up with a little congregation right there. And he's, he's saying, "You know, do you think this is the last days?" And I see a lot of prophecies coming to pass. I said, "Man, you need to get into church. I've got heaps to teach you." And then Phil comes along. Oh, this is my husband. He's the pastor of the church. This is Phil. I'll shake hands. You got something on you, young man. And suddenly it's like, yeah, here's my card. You're coming to church. Check us out on the website. We walk out. Took a couple of minutes. You see, and you just say, oh, that's because you're Pastor Phil and Julie. No, that's because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Amen. And he said this in Matthew ten seven to 8. As you go. Everyone say, as you go. As you go. Okay. So it doesn't say after you go to Bible college, after you have 40 days of prayer and fasting, um, after you go to church, you know, after you feel like you're anointed and deputized and to go out. He said, as you go. Right. As you go. You mean just me, myself, as I am. As I am, as I go, yeah, you yourself, as you are, as you go. As you go, look at this, proclaim this message. So just me, my little old self, haven't been to Bible college, not deputized, haven't got a badge, got no title, don't have a pulpit. But as I go, I proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers drive out demons. Freely you have been given. Freely give. Listen to this. There's a cry of God's heart that we work together generationally, that we all work together, that we all feel the call of God and the cry of God in our hearts and that we do what God's called us to do. And this is our call. Number one, we have to do the work ourselves. And I'm especially right now speaking to Everyone, but people 40 and over who just feel like, and maybe you're younger than that, and you've just gone, no, I'll leave it up to the other people. We have to do the work ourselves, amen? Nowhere in Scripture is there an age limit or an age requirement. You're never too young and you're never too old. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where God calls a person and says, okay, you're too old now, I have to retire. I don't see any retirement in the kingdom of God I don't see it I don't see a null and void age I don't see the gray nomads anywhere all I see is people of God who get wiser with age and are able to impart something to the next generation amen that's right just put have you got that photo of Billy Graham this man look at him is he a gray-haired nomad no, he is a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know that he was just facing death in the last week. Has he, has he gone home? So. He's, nearly, he's nearly going home. But I want to tell you this, that he preached right up until he could literally not walk anymore. I mean, he has brought thousands and thousands and thousands to the Lord. But he didn't get to 40, 30, 40, 50. And they said, sorry, it's another generation. Billy, move over. You're null and void. You're old-fashioned. No, the power of God remained on this man in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. I think of people like Benny Hinn, Catherine Corman. Catherine Corman preached right up to literally weeks before she died. Literally weeks before she died. And 30 years in the ministry, healing the sick, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands miraculously healed in her ministry, thousands and thousands and thousands saved in her ministry. And no one said to Catherine Corman, I'm sorry, love, you're too old in your long flowing white dresses, let someone up there in a pair of jeans to, you know, no. She had the anointing. She had the power of God. But what did she do? She passed it on to Benny Hinn. Now Benny Hinn is going, going, going. And there's a lot of people say, oh, sit down, Benny, with your hairdo and, you know, your funny music and play it again, Cheryl. You're irrelevant, you know... But there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people being saved, healed and delivered by a man of God who we need to honour and respect in this day, in this age, amen? Look at Pastor Phil Pringle, I've heard lots of people say, oh, who's he gonna pass it on to? You know, he's 60, he's nearly 60 next month. Woo! he's nearly 60 next month. You know what I mean? Like, big deal. The man has more anointing now at nearly sixty than I've ever seen on him in his whole life. He can stand up and he can command an auditorium of thousands of people, and everyone feels as if he knows them intimately just by the presence of God that's in his heart and in his life. There is no age gap, amen. There is no completion, amen. And number two, we have to train, bless, and equip the next generation coming after us. Psalm 145 4 says one generation commends your works to another. they tell of your mighty axe. Look at this boy. There, Garth. Up on the big screen at presence, there he is, Pastor Garth Ball you know, just 16 years old, came into this church, took him months to make a decision for the Lord. Phil was on his case. He was on his case because in this boy, who was just living in the world. who had come from an unsaved home, had no Christian inheritance at all. Phil saw something on this boy and he began to speak. you've got to get back to church. You've got to come back to church. You've got to keep pressing in. He was living in sin. He was living in all kinds of stuff, but God, he feels saying, you've got to get back to church. And when he gave gave his heart to the Lord. He meant it with all his heart. And now here we are right now. How many years later? I don't know how many years, 14, 12 years later, 12 years later, he's now the associate pastor of this church. And he's on the big screen down at Presence Conference because he's running the whole online Bible college of C3 Global. I mean, that's what happens when, you, you know, we say to another generation, get up, you can do it. Come on, God has something on your life. And that's the power of passing something on to the generation. And it doesn't mean that Pastor Phil has to sit down. Oh, I've got an associate pastor now. I can just retire. I can get in my caravan. And maybe we will anyway for a little while, but not for a long time. And, um, and, and we can, we won't become grey nomads. Don't worry. We will go and we'll come back and we will have a holiday and we'll come back because we're going to be on that front row when we're in our 90s cheering the next generations on and we're going to be saying, son, do it like this, do it like that, daughter, do it like this, do it like that. I mean, I see my own daughters preaching, the the generations that are rising up are incredible and we shouldn't sit back and get jealous and we shouldn't sit back and say, well, it's over for me because they've got something on their lives. They've got nothing without us. Without us, they're going to sizzle out. They're going to make mistakes that we could have prevented if we had given them our wisdom and our knowledge. In Jesus' name. And the last thing, we, the, the second last thing, is that we have to leave an inheritance. Exodus fifteen seventeen. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. The place, Lord, you made for your dwelling. The sanctuary, Lord, my, your hands established. You know, and this is what Pastor Phil was saying before, you know. You know, I just want to say this to you, 80%, probably 80% of our church are under 30. That means that 20% of us have to pay the bills. It's basically how it works. Every one of us that is earning an income need to sow in and have a sanctuary for the next generation that they can come to. And we aren't a normal church Normal churches have a a large percentage of older people, good income earners. No, we are literally raising an army of young people and young adults who are at uni, still in school and whatever, and we are paying their way. And I just really believe that we can do this. I believe we can do it. I believe we can leave an inheritance. Look at this little photo here. There's an inheritance right there. There's a little two-year-old who looks at Poppy Owns this place and says, well, this is my church. And walks to the altar and just goes, this is my house. And I so much want a house for her to come to. Amen. In Jesus' name. We leave an inheritance. And the last thing we have to do, and I'm finishing on this, is that we have to finish the work that God gave us to do. You know, Paul said this in 2 Timothy 4, 7-8. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So I have the worship you.